you to hell and just to pour out his, his wrath upon you and he's barely held back. And some people have seen God in that way and that is an unhealthy way when we're, we're just even afraid to be in his presence because he seems like he could go off uh, and have uh, and demonstrate his anger at any moment. And so we want to get away from that. And yet we have taken the, the pendulum to the, the opposite extreme. And so now we see God as our buddy. He's the, the kindly old grandpa who just likes to wink at us and, and you know, is not worried about anything we do and, and never would uh, show any seriousness at all. He just is happy to, to laugh and to joke with us. And so that's not the right response either. So we have to come to an understanding of what God really is like. And our best way to understand what God is like is through Jesus Christ, because he is God incarnate. And it's in Jesus that we understand who God is. And we have to get beyond just how our, our culture looks at these things. We have to get beyond just our personal preferences. We need to look at what the scriptures have to say. And so that's why we're going to look at the story of Jesus calming the storm. And this story is one that really captures our imagination. The way it's described in the scriptures, uh, it's just so incredible. We can just imagine ourselves there uh, with the disciples. Now, the disciples, some of them were uh, fishermen. They were experienced fishermen. They knew what these waters were like. They knew that at any time, there could be a storm. It might be nice and calm, and then all of a sudden, uh, the clouds come in, and the waves start getting high, and the ship starts moving around. And so they knew how dangerous these kind of things could be. And so the disciples see this happening, and they, they watch as the, the waves are, are lifting the boat in the air, and things are really getting scary. So even though they have the experience to be on the, uh, the boat, they have also the experience to know how dangerous it is. Probably some of those fishermen uh, had friends who had died and drowned in those same waters. And so it was a pretty scary situation. And so they look over to Jesus, and what is he doing? He's sawing logs. He's just comfortable on his cushion, uh, sleeping away, having a great old nap. And I can just picture the disciples like, really? Really, Jesus? This is, this is what you got for us? You're just going to sleep? through this and finally they just they can't take it anymore like come on jesus wake up we're gonna drown here we're gonna die you need to do something now and jesus gets up and he uh he does something that is actually very unique he doesn't pray to god the way we might pray if we were in a situation like this we would pray and ask the father uh god would you please calm this storm that's not what jesus does he doesn't ask the father to do this he addresses the wind and the waves himself in his own authority, and he commands them to stop. And everything all of a sudden becomes calm. And then this is what's really interesting about this passage. Uh, we see that what Jesus does is he rebukes the storm, and then what does he do? He rebukes the disciples and, and says to them, like, did you not have any faith? Did you really think all of these things that we've been going through, uh, all of these miracles, uh, all of the, the teachings and the, the ministry that's been going on, that I'm just going to let you drown while I sleep? Is that really what you thought? Do you not have any faith? And so they were rebuked in this. And we see that they had been afraid uh, of the waters. But by the end of the story, we find that they're actually 
a afraid of Jesus. Now, the typical way to preach this passage would be to say, you know, all of us in our lives are going through some kind of storm. There's something that is happening, uh, whether it's a financial storm or uh, physical issues or, or relational or whatever it might be, that we are going through a storm. It seems like Jesus is asleep, and then Jesus eventually wakes up, and he calms the storm, and we just need to have faith in our personal storm. And that's a good sermon, and I've preached that sermon But that is not the sermon that I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to take a different look at this passage. I'm going to focus on something completely different. So I want you to to think to yourself, uh, when you picture Jesus, what kind of picture do you get in your mind? Who who do you see when you see Jesus in your mind? Uh, I suspect you may see Jesus maybe holding a, a young child. Or uh, Jesus surrounded by a lamb. Uh, we have stained glass windows of that right here. Uh, these are the kind of images that we think of of Jesus. We think of him as being very gentle, very meek, uh, you know, very soft-spoken. That that's the way we understand Jesus. And yet we see in this passage at the end of the story the disciples are scared. And they're not scared of the storm anymore because everything is completely calm. The wind has stopped, the waves have stopped, and yet they are frightened. They are frightened in the presence of Jesus. Now, different translations look at this in different ways. So the uh, one of the translations is that they were terrified. Another translation has that they were in great awe. Now, what does that mean, to be in great awe? So one of the ways that we think of awe might be as in terms of respect. Uh, that, that is a, a, a way that we can look at someone. We, we're in awe of a certain person. Now, this word awe, it can mean both something that is good or something that is bad. In fact, the, the word awful that we have uh, originally, it meant both things. We could be uh, in awe of something that is really good. So we might be in awe of an incredible harvest that happened. Or else we could be in awe of something that's really bad. Maybe it's a terrible harvest. So we are in awe of that. We could describe, at one point in our English language, we could describe both of those situations as being awful, that we are full of awe at what is happening. But over time, that word awful came to mean just the bad and not the good. And so we created a new word, awesome. Awesome means the same thing as awful, but we use awesome to describe something that is good. So uh, when I talk about my children, if I say uh, my children had an awful day at school, you know what I mean. If I say they had an awesome day at school, you also know what I mean. And technically, those two words mean the same thing, but we have given them different meanings. One meaning uh, awe in in a positive sense, and one meaning awe in a negative sense. And so there's something that is awesome about Jesus here in this passage, because they are having a sense of what is going on. Now, this awe is something that is really, really deep, okay? Uh, You might be in awe of my incredible jokes that I have, okay? Or maybe you're in awe that Amanda puts up with them. Either one of those, right? There's, There's a sense of awe that is there. 
But if I told you that I had gotten a Cold War-era nuclear bomb and I have it underneath the communion table, you would have another sense of awe, right? It would be totally different, even though you would have this reaction. Well, this is the kind of awe that the disciples had because they had seen Jesus command by his own authority the wind and the waves to stop. And they looked at that and said, well, isn't that just a interesting thing. They didn't react that way. They thought, who is this man? Who is he that he is able to do this? This is not just a normal guy that is praying a prayer. He is calling upon this in his own authority. I I mentioned to you that there are different ways to translate this. I looked at what the original says in Greek, and uh, if I was to translate it literally, it says, they feared a great fear. That's what it says. They feared a great fear. That word is used twice, and when that uh, word is used twice in the Bible like that, it's meant to emphasize that this is something that they were really, really concerned about. The, the Greek word there is actually uh, the word that we get phobia from. Uh, when, when I'm watching uh, television, I, I have a bit of uh, claustrophobia. I watch television and I see uh, someone crawl into like a, an air duct. You know, that happens so often in, in movies when there's like a spy thing or whatever. I actually have a physical reaction when I see that. Like, I imagine it. Uh, I'm also scared of heights. And so every once in a while I look up and I imagine uh, changing the, the bulbs and there are pot lights in our ceiling here. And I'm already, right now, having a little bit of vertigo, okay? There's a physical reaction because that's something that scares me. Well, we should have a physical reaction when we are in the presence and the power of Jesus. That's really the kind of fear that, uh, that the disciples had. They weren't looking at Jesus thinking, wow, that's, that's kind of neat. Uh, no, it was something that was really physical upon them. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this, uh, but maybe you've noticed in, the, uh, uh, in your Bibles, in the Gospel of Mark, there's uh, something that's described as a, 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 an additional ending that you'll see a note at chapter 16, verse 8, that everything after that is an ending that was added on. And uh, this is not a, a big surprise. Every Bible will make a note of that. And you might ask, well, why would someone add an ending to a gospel? Well, the reason is, if you look at what Mark chapter 16, verse 8 says, it ends with the words, the women... Uh, were uh, filled with fear. Well, that's not any way to end a gospel. Who wants to end a gospel, the good news, with the word fear? We don't want that. So people knew that that's no way to do that. So they added on another ending. And yet, if you look at that passage, what has just happened? Why are the reason, what is the reason why the women are filled with fear? The women are filled with fear because they have just encountered the resurrected Christ. Okay, that is something that causes fear. And it's that same word that's described here because they are in the presence of great power. I want you to imagine that you are at a funeral, okay? And maybe it's in this room here. We're having a funeral. Uh, There's an open casket. And right in the middle of the funeral, the person that we're having the funeral for sits up and says, hey, what's going on? How would you react if that happened? If, say, later on in the day, 
uh, people ask you, so how did the funeral go? What, what would you say? Would you say, those egg salad sandwiches were amazing. That's, is that what you would say? Or would you be still shaking because this person came back to life? It would, it would really shake you to the core. That's where you would be at. You would have a sense of fear. I mean, you'd be happy that the person is alive again, but you would know that something really strange and powerful took place. Well, that's what happened with the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why those women were in awe. They had that really holy and healthy fear, having experienced that. Now, I have experienced this kind of awe in in uh, experiencing God. Uh, I, I've shared before, and I'm not going to go into the details, but very early on in my faith journey, I had a very dramatic answer to prayer. Very specific, very dramatic, and it happened within minutes of me praying the prayer. And I remember afterwards uh, reflecting upon that, and, and you know, I felt some fear. The fact that God saw me. Now, I don't know how many people here have seen the, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies or have read the Lord of the Rings uh, books, but uh, Bilbo, when he puts on the Ring of Power, as soon as he does that, Sauron, the, the big enemy, can see him. All of a sudden, uh, his gaze goes right upon, uh, not Bilbo, sorry, on Frodo, and uh, he sees him. And that's how I felt when I had this answer to prayer that, that, okay, I knew that God was out there, but wait a minute, God's gaze has come right upon me, and he sees me, and it filled me with fear, not a fear in the sense of, I need to run away from God, but rather the fear that I need to run towards God. I need to have a relationship with this God. But I need to tell you, I don't feel that awe all the time. Uh, sometimes I can just do church just, you know, we're coming here, we're going to sing some songs, we're going to pray some prayers, we're going to read some Bible passages, and it's business as usual. And it's very easy for me to slip into that. My challenge for me, my challenge for you, is what do we need to do to rediscover the awe of God? I don't want you to be afraid of God as that abusive parent who wants to hit you and, and, and bring all kinds of punishment upon you. That's not what we're looking at. But do you have a sense of God, the awesomeness of God, uh, that you are, in the sen- you are in the presence of great power and that he knows you? How do we get that sense of awe back? And I can't tell you because it's going to be different for all of us. For some of us, it's going to be being involved in ministry in which we see God actively at work. Some of us is going to be uh, just in the presence of nature and seeing God's incredible creation. And we realize, wow, he is amazing. Look what he's done. And then we can see God in fresh ways. There can be all kinds of other ways that that happens as well. But my challenge is, remember the awe. Look back to those times that God has acted in your life. Remember it. Don't forget what God has done. Let us pray. God, you are awesome. You truly are. You create awe because you are the God of power. As the disciples were in awe of Jesus after he calmed the sea, we want to have that same kind of awe. Lord, remind each one of us of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.